Hi, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Good Game Radio. It's your host, Tony, speaking, and tonight I am with Jaime. Jaime, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? It's been a couple of weeks. Happy to be back and a couple of different things to talk about. Yeah, I don't remember what was going on last week that we didn't podcast, but yeah, it's been a couple of weeks. I do. You um, were on a mission. Oh, yeah. Mission trip. <laughs> you reminded me. Yeah. For some reason, it feels like that was two weeks ago. Totally. We were on, um, the wife and I went on a mission trip with our church, uh, with a group of people from our church in support of an organization called Sin Relief out of Atlanta. Uh, we went down to Clarkston and helped spend the weekend, you know, just doing some uh, partnerships with uh, some uh, local churches that are already on the ground there uh, doing a, a mission work. Uh, we went and we were with one group called a uh, church on the street where we, you know, we just basically went to homeless encampments around Atlanta and, uh, and handed out clothing articles, food, shoes, just uh, anything those people might've uh, needed at the time. And, uh, you know, uh, prayed with them and, and, and talked with them and just spent the, the morning doing that. And in the afternoon, we went to uh, an apartment complex that specializes in like a housing uh, refugee families uh, from all over the world. And they had a, uh, the, the church there had an ESL program that they had on Saturday afternoons. They needed extra hands for that. So we, uh, we helped out there and then we just got to see like, you know, visit different points within that community. It's really, it's really Clarkston, uh, just outside of Atlanta. And it's like, uh, it's known for being like the Ellis Island of the South. It was very, uh, very, uh, very cool trip. Um, short one over the weekend, but that was actually my first ever mission trip. So it was pretty, uh, it was pretty cool. Did you get a chance while you were there? I mean, obviously, great work, what you guys were doing. I, uh, You had mentioned some, you know, you sprinkled some information here and there, either through text messages or maybe here talking in the podcast in the week prior. I only came to realize that you were gone because that, that weekend, I guess for anybody who's listening, I, I go to the same church that Tony does, but I started going to a different campus earlier this year, so... This weekend, I went to that campus, and I was thinking, oh, great, I'm going to be able to see Tony. I'm going to be able to see, you know, different other people that I haven't seen in a while. And I did see a lot of people, but there's no Tony. <laughs> right. So so here I am trying to give him a hard time thinking, oh, you slacker, you you skipped out on church. And I text him right away after service thinking I'm going to give him a hard time. And, and he answers, <laughs> oh, I'm on a mission trip. How do you follow up with that? <laughs> yeah, it was great. Yes. So, no, but I was going to ask you, did you get, while well, you were there, and I know that you're you're there with a purpose, you're doing relevant stuff, but did you get a chance to visit, I think it's called the Varsity? It's kind of like a really well-known cheeseburger okay, place. So that's an interesting story that you bring up that place. Okay, so we, we went to meet up with Church on the Street. We were supposed to meet them in the parking lot of Varsity, downtown yeah. Atlanta. And it's like right next to where the Olympic flame was uh, during the Olympics in 96. So so we get there. We meet like a liaison that is with our organization. We meet him. There's like eight of us. We're in a van. The church on the street people were not there yet. And so we were just kind of standing outside the van talking with the, this uh, guy named Andrew who was one from sin relief and um, we see he goes, Oh, here they come now. So we look across the parking lot and the parking lot kind of sits under like a ramp, like a, I don't know if it was a parking garage or like some yeah, sort of it's road kinda, ramp or something. It's odd. You're correct. Yeah, it's weird. Um, so anyway, we see their church bus, uh, which is like a, not a long bus, but a shorter bus. that probably holds like 12 people or something, but it's fairly tall. And it's cutting, and they spotted us. So they cut across the parking lot underneath this 
ramp construction of this ramp area. Well, when they passed under the first like shadow of the overhead, you could see that it was very low clearance. And before anybody realized to go, just say, I was just right when I realized that they did not have enough room. I was raising my arm and I was going, stop like that. No way. And right then, man, bam, they hit the, the bottom of the, whatever that parking garage structure was, they hit it. And that thing stopped on a dime, man. It was just boom. So they didn't like have like a convertible bus right after that? No, but they had a big hole in the top of their bus. What? <laughs> yeah, they cracked that thing wide open, man. I was like, oh, that really stinks. <laughs> Imagine if you would have caught that on camera. I know. I guess it was such, it was unusual for them to have like another group that they were going to be working with, you know? So like when they saw us, they just like kind of got excited or something and, and cut across the parking lot because you or maybe they just weren't familiar with starting their stuff at that area. It didn't stop them from doing their mission. They've been Next doing this time, for 25 years. And before raising your hands and yelling, stop, make sure you have your phone in your hand. <laughs> right. And, and already recording. Yeah. yeah. The guy got out and he's like, man, I'm going to have some explaining to do when I get back to the church. <laughs> it was, Nobody was it, hurt. You know, I, right. I you know, they all climbed out and they all uh, came out of the bus and there was like eight of them. And um, the last person out of the bus is like this pregnant lady. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> she didn't get too jostled around in there. But uh, no, it was great. They had a lot of food uh, packed up in that bus and a lot of uh, articles that we handed out. So, Well, I'm glad that you guys did did the work that you were doing there and Obviously, I could not give you a hard time that day for not being at church. <laughs> right. I wanted to, though. I was about to. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you could have. And then I would have been like, I won't say anything. Not till I get later. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah. know if you remember my opening text message to you that day. It wasn't like, so, Tony, where are you at? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, man. That mission trip was something else. So, the ESL portion, you would have thought was going to be like, okay, that's the mild, that's going to be the easy, easy portion of this trip, right? You know, you're just sitting down and helping people learn the second language, which is true. That's the, the, the ladies, a lot of the people that came to the ESL were from like Afghanistan and, uh, you know, the Middle East. And uh, there was a couple of people in our group that were experienced ESL teachers. So they were handling that portion of it, you know, with the translator. And then everybody else was tasked with like just watching kids, uh, you know, keeping them engaged down, you know, in the lower level of the building we were in. Or um, we have, we helped that church that was there set up like uh, games and stuff at the playground with like, uh, what do you call them? Uh, cornhole? Cornhole, Yes. So I was helping with the ESL portion, and then my wife came in. And she's like, "Hey, uh, they need you at the playground, right?" Because no guys actually showed up for the ESL to, to learn any, any English. So Slackers. I was hoping, to, I know, I was hoping to engage them with some some guys, but and I would not be allowed to, you know, sit in with the the ladies. So I went up to the playground because you know Amy was like, "Oh yeah, you need to go up there." So I went up there and I stepped on the playground. And I did not realize it was a reenactment of like World War II going on. Kids beating the crap out of each other. You know, it's, as soon as I stepped on the playground, I broke up two fights. That's what they called you up there. They needed right. the muscle. That's what they, they needed more muscle up there. Cause the, there was like five guys up there and I looked at them I'm like, what is going on? They're like, they're like shell shocked, dude. They're like standing over to the side going, we don't know what to do. <laughs> They're like, these kids are violent. <laughs> they were, dude. They were just going off on each other. You should have uh, introduced them early to a life of video gaming. Right? Right. right. If you, you know, video gaming, <laughs> you, you keep it inside. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's, you know, no, man I, down, respawn. I told I told my, uh, one of the guys, I was like, oh, man, this is like the 80s up here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how my childhood was in the 80s, man. It was nothing but brawls on the playground. 
A lot of hey, man. modern American kids now, it's like the suburb kids. They would know what to do. They'd go running. These kids yeah. were bringing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good, good work. I highly respect what you guys were doing and the organizations that you were partnered there with. Yep, that was great. So let's get into our gaming topics. What uh, what have you been playing there, Jaime? I have been playing. Um, so right before we started, I was actually telling you that I've been playing a lot of a little game. It's kind of like the little game that could. It's called Sea of Stars. And I've mentioned it in the last couple of podcasts. I mean, obviously, there was this big hype around Baldur's Gate 3. We started playing together, not a campaign together, but, you know, day one, boom, we're there playing. Well, maybe day three for me because I was out of town. However, um, my experience with Baldur's Gate hasn't been all that thrilling. And I came across this, this little indie game that's called Sea of Stars. And... Well, lo and behold, it's just this really well-developed game. It You can obviously tell that the budget is not what Baldur's Gate 3 has. However, it kind of is really reminiscent. It's also turn-based combat, by the way. Um, it It is very reminiscent of like nin- Super Nintendo era ga- uh, games. It's really well done, and... The more and more I learn about this game, it's got like some really massive talent. For example, for their audio development was the same creators that were involved with like Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger. So people that have, I guess, won awards for their work in those in those games. And this game was just it was like so, so ghetto is that it, it actually went through like a crowdfunding campaign so that it could be developed and published. And now it's like in the international scene is winning several awards for, you know, great best indie game, you know, best, you know, RPG, etc. I wish that, um, I wish that I would have kind of discovered this at a different time because it's actually, it's had more staying appeal than Baldur's Gate has for me at least. Now, mind you, I have, I have put in, multiple hours into Baldur's Gate 3, but last time that you and I spoke, I had put in maybe twice as much time on Baldur's Gate than I had on this game. Yeah. Now it's it's completely opposite. This game has had more playtime. Actually, even I would I would go as far as to say maybe double of what I've done on Baldur's Gate. And I was actually able to convince one gentleman to play it. And he said this game reminds me so much of Squaresoft games back in the Super Nintendo days. And him and I were exchanging text messages, and he also agrees that it's pretty cool, but he kind of spoiled something for me. And we were talking about game length, Mm -hmm. and he said, oh, no, I read online that it's only like 25 hours long. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I'm kind of nearing that point. (laughs) Isn't like games like this from back in the day where 25 hours was kind of short, right? Wouldn't they were way longer? It depends. It depends. Because remember, back in the Super Nintendo days, I mean, if you got 25 hours at a game that wasn't Super Mario Brothers, that game was long. Yeah. I mean, if you played the old Castlevania, Super Contra, uh, Final Fights, the original games that came out in the original days of the Super Nintendo, that's 25 hours was a bunch. Yeah. Um, there were some games, obviously Chrono Trigger, which came out for the Super Nintendo, which had a lot more playtime. All the Final Fantasy games, games of that of that nature. But this this game is just such a good throwback, and it 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 has elements, Tony. That first off, you're going out there, you run into an, an enemy battle, right? Turn based, you know, attack, item, skill. It has this combo gauge where your characters can do combos depending on what your roster is. You can swap out your roster mid mid uh, battle. And something that I really liked that I didn't really see done outside of Zelda is that some power ups that I've picked up, you can actually use them in the open world. So, for example, you have like a grappling hook. 
So there's some areas that you can't get to or some treasure chests that are hidden that you can only access by using the grappling hook. And sometimes I've thrown had to throw a grappling hook off an object that's outside of the screen just because I had to YouTube, like, how do you get this treasure chest? It's really impossible. And people are like, oh, yeah, look, there's this object right here. You can't see it. Just throw your grappling hook there and you'll, you know, swing over to the other side. I thought, okay, that's creative because that is kind of how those games used to be back in the day. There's there's a big puzzle element, and it kind of reminds me of how you used to describe, uh, what was the name, Kina, uh, Bridge of Spirits? Kina. Right. So there's a lot of that where another power-up where you can kind of push objects. You have to push objects into certain spots so that mm-hmm. you can make paths and maybe have these objects be standing on top of certain landmarks to open up, you know, treasure chests, etc. And it has an interesting element that I hadn't seen in many games where you're, when your characters, you can make him, by the way, you can choose your main character to be a, a, a man or, or a woman. Um, you can make your main character be, be able to shift the, the time of day. And that's kind of relevant in some areas where if you get the sunlight just right, you can make things uh, open up passages or maybe melt um, ice pillars, etc. And so it's it's got like so many puzzle elements in game that you can completely miss. And to me, that's actually made it be like very appealing. And Tony, did you ever play? See, see, okay. Before I get too far, did you ever play the old Super Mario RPG for the SNES? No. Well, every single time that you got into combat, you could just time right the moment that your attack hit and get a boost. Mm-hmm. Every time that you used, like, for example, Mario had a, a special attack where he goes and jumps off the enemy's heads, you know, very creative. <laughs> um but if you were pressing the button at the right time, Mario just kept on jumping and jumping and doing, you know, more damage. It would scale, of course, so you didn't do infinity. But you can like have this like long string of Mario just jumping on your enemies. Um, so you, they actually did something like that here, where all of the abilities that your characters have have a moment where you can prolong this the, the chain. One of the characters, for example throws a a boomerang so as soon as she hits the 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 bad guy it'll bounce back at her and she can deflect it and then it'll go and bounce back to another character and then you can continue that string i think like up to 30 times so even as you're playing and fighting there's like mini games that you can be doing like this or trying to find out what the right timing is for everything yeah so it's kind of it's kind of so it's so simple, but it has a layer of depth to it. So I played about twenty minutes of this game. I yes. really liked what I what I saw, and I, there were some different uh, aspects of it that I hadn't seen done before. Uh, so I remember that there you start off with like the uh, a, a girl and a boy character that are in search of like, yes um, yes. I can't remember what they were in search of, like a, a, a another member that used to be that they used to know or something like that, maybe. So, are those the two characters that you are playing between? Do you choose between? Yes. Yeah, Garl. Uh, Garl is the the character that you're trying to find early in the game, and the two main characters that you remember uh, the the female is Valerie or Valerie, mm-hmm. and the other guy is his name Sale. And then as you progress, there's actually more characters that you unlock that join your party. So how many people are in your party when you're going around in real time? How many people characters are there? Three, three. Three. And when you go into battle, it's always three, but this is where, what I, I I I said that I hadn't seen done pretty well in this era of video games is that mid battle, let's say one of your characters running low on health, there's an option to swap a character mid battle. And he'll jump out and the other one will come in, you know, full health or whatever the health was at the last time that you used him or her. Okay. So you're not locked into your, your you're uh, not. in combat party. And and this is where I said that it's pretty interesting because you have a character abilities and combos. 
So you might be able to perform certain combos if you have the right lineup, right? Uh, so this is turn-based, right? Once you're in it combat, is. It, it is. Yes. How many Once actions? How many actions do you get typically? One. Basically, all your characters get a turn, and then the bad guys get a turn. But the characters that you fight against, sometimes they have like a timer, and it tells you how many turns they have left until they will. Uh, do an attack on your character or party. However, sometimes they're uh, above the timer. There'll be like certain symbols that pop up and the symbol might be like a sword, a piece of fire and a club like a hammer or mallet. So if you're able to land several attacks before that timer runs down, you basically will interrupt their attack. Now on the flip side, if you are not able to, I mean, this is basically the game telling you, hey, this this character right here is going to unleash a powerful blow on you. So it's in your best interest to try to interrupt that. If, you, if you're not able to fully interrupt it, you only get a land a couple of blows. It still kind of says that this attack, rather than doing damage for 100%, will do 85% damage of what it would have done. So again, even mid-battle, there's things that you have to be considering, like... How do I focus my attacks on certain uh, uh, and uh, certain characters so that I can actually interrupt their attacks? There's actually ways that you can make that little timer count up right. versus count down. Are you taking into consider other factors of such as like um, the environment? Like, is it an arena where just that there's no there's no real environmental factors you have to worry about or no you don't have to worry about once 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 you go into battle you don't have to worry about like oh there's something here or this character's in the way there is one thing though that sometimes you'll be surrounded by characters and you're in the middle right so let's say you don't you do an attack that does splash damage Mm -hmm. because these characters are not next to each other, it won't do splash damage. But one of your characters has the ability that they can grab one of the bad guys and throw him somewhere else. And so that's kind of how you try to line up these guys so that they're always close to each other and you can do all these these you know massive combinations that, that will damage everyone versus just one character. I'm assuming that, that there is a main story campaign that's being yes. progressed. Okay. Yes. And it's, it's told in what way? So actually, it's told this way. When the game starts, you probably don't remember this if you only played 20 minutes, but there's an archivist who's actually telling the story. And then he's like, well, let me tell you about the time that these two characters happened. And then, you know, here comes this story. And then you get to like um, a certain milestone. And then the archivist is like, little did they know they're about to unleash Pandora's box. And no back to the story right so there's like all this <laughs> it makes you be be worried about what's going to happen <laughs> um but it's always told through the perspective of these two characters uh the other characters that you get sometimes will leave your party because they got poisoned or one of them is kind of like their alliance to you isn't really fully there at the beginning or actually she's playing like she's living two lives right she's a, a a stealth ninja by night and she's like a captain pirate by day etc and i just gave you a spoiler there uh, <laughs> but it's, it's it's quite interesting really again it's it's simple um and you know if you know me i'm big on cheap games this game is if you don't have playstation plus catalog you're gonna have to pay for it but if you do have the catalog grab it before it disappears it is so worth it. Actually, paying for this game is so worth it. Yeah, I mean, the twenty minutes I played of it, I I I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, I, I still have it. I downloaded it on everything because game, the game was available on everything. It seemed like so I have it loaded, ready to go uh, yeah. whenever I ever have a chance to get around. So I texted you. I texted you and some people earlier last week where I said there's three hidden gems right now. This is one of them. Mm-hmm. The other one is 13 Sentinels. Grab it, download it. It is, you will never find a bad review for this game. And the other one was, it's actually a remake from a game that I believe, Tony, was from the PlayStation 2 days. This is called Odin Sphere. And it's actually 
the same developer that 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 made Thirteen Sentinels. Uh-huh. This this is another game that was just like so crazy good. It was it was remastered and remade for the PlayStation Four. Um, and these are all right now. You're able to get them on several platforms without having to you know pay full price for them. Get them; they're great. I remember you you uh, sending a text message saying, "Hey, you guys need to pick up the, these two games." For some reason, I had a hard time finding them. I still haven't found them. I just didn't know where to look properly. <sighs> Tony. <laughs> <laughs> all right, cool. So that is what's the name of the game again? This is called Sea of Stars. Sea of Stars. Yes. All right. So what else you've been playing? Anything else? Just that and mm. Baldur's Gate. Well, right before right before we started recording, my son decided he had the the not so good idea to challenge me on Sonic Team Racing or Team Sonic Racing, whatever. It's I always get the name wrong. Have you ever played one of these racers? No. All right. So so their the racing genre's got like hundreds, right? Oh, I shouldn't mm-hmm. say hundreds, but it's got it started with Mario Kart, then there was Diddy Kong, then there was Crash Bandicoot. Man, I, I don't even know, but there's several out there but there's one for sonic and my son is sonic connoisseur loves the the whole franchise he right before we started recording and actually you'll remember that when we started recording i was running him off from the from the room <laughs> he was like dad i can take you I, I was like i'm sure i'm pretty sure you can't son he's like dad i can beat you okay let's go first race i ended up in second place he ended up in 11th. <laughs> Third, you know, next race, I end up in first. He ends up in like 10th. Next race, same same story. And I'm finally like, dude, are you even trying? But then, but, then, but no, no, no. But then it hit me because I remember that when I first started playing this game, it is, it is hard. It is really hard to win a, a, a lap. And this game actually gives you points not because you win, but you actually play as teams. Uh, so you get more points if you if you and your two teammates actually make it through the finish line before the whole team for the other players. So there's an incentive to try to race well, but also make your team members uh, you know, speed past the competition. And you can like exchange items. It, it's got some di- nice little features. And the other game, by the way, I, my son's been playing that I've been watching is they released a brand new DLC content for free for Sonic Frontiers, where now you can play a year, maybe a little bit over a year after the game released with Knuckles, Amy, and Tails. And I've been just watching it and I'm thinking, how are they giving this stuff away? It is, it is stuff you would pay for. Yeah. You get some good value there when they're giving it away to you. <laughs> Sonic Frontiers is one of those ga- games that didn't get much press, mm-hmm. but it wasn't a bad game. I mean, it's honestly, everyone kept talking about The Legend of Zelda. What's the name of that one? Tears the of the Kingdom? Yes. This is this is pretty much it. Just, you know, son- a Sonic version that's, of that. That's, I mean, that's just how loaded this uh, year has been, that Tears of the Kingdom talk lasted for about two weeks. I was gonna say, uh, uh, I was gonna say a month, if at most. Yeah, I mean, nobody's talking about Tears of the Kingdom right now. It's like, no, you know, right now it's still Starfield. Everybody's talking Starfield, and then Spider Man's coming up later in the month. So uh, I'm sure all the talk will be about Star Spider Man. In a couple have weeks. you have you pre-ordered Spider Man too? I have not. Are you going to? I probably will. Yes, I have. I have money set aside for it. But I just got to remember to do it. Usually, it's not an issue. Like I haven't run into an issue where they didn't a place didn't have the game, so I've never really felt like, oh, I've got to pre-order this. There's not going to be a copy available. Yeah. So I'll get I'll have it pre-ordered and I'll pick it up after I get off work. Now, Tony, speaking of games of the month too, because it is October and we're we just heard news of the new um, PlayStation Plus games. Mm-hmm. The Callisto Protocol is in it. The Callisto Protocol. So interesting. I'm really glad this is on P- PlayStation Plus. Me too. Because I was I was actually patiently waiting for this game to go on sale. You know, like for like sub twenty dollar range. 
Wait, now, wait, wait, wait. I was actually posting not too long ago on the Discord that it actually went on sale for sub twenty dollar range. I must have missed that post. You well, should have. You should have. I, uh, I it's a uh, private message to me. <laughs> I, I felt so bad about posting that because I got roasted for posting that yeah. from from the Discord community. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, now that it's a uh, free, it's going to be free on uh, PlayStation Plus. I'm glad I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah this game came out last year what november ish it's been out i think it, it was wasn't it august last year yeah it was late in the year and everybody yeah. was you know everybody was really excited because it's uh the head, head of the studios was it striking distance studios sds yes um was uh part of the team that developed the first dead space right he right. headed that up i think he headed up that team what's his did. name schofield Glenn schofield yep so he was on this project and uh, it um was giving that very dead space vibe you know space horror well everyone compared it so much to dead space it was not even funny i mean it was like oh here's glenn schofield here's another game that guess what Looks just like a dead space. Plays just like a dead space. Doesn't have a, 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 a heads up display like dead space, and it also has like a what is it like like gravity thing that they yeah. can do. But it's not dead space, by the way. No, it's not dead space. <laughs> I think but, but, I remember the criticism of this game was like it was like you just the whole game was like a hallway. Like yes. there was no. You know, a lot of games would get they, the areas that they develop allow you some room to to explore an area, right? Kind of off the beaten path a little bit, not open world ish, but not also like a narrow hallway where you just you can only go down this one path and you can't really get off of it. Um, and I think that's what the, the criticism, one of the criticisms of this game was, was that. It, it left no room for exploring whatever planetary mining facility this is or whatever it is. So prison, I, I think. I think it's a prison where you play the one the one innocent guy that's in that whole prison. Yeah. You actually yeah. crash land there. But I, I feel know. like that story has been like, if there was like a list of space stories, that's like number one. Yeah. <laughs> like guy you're, accidentally you're, crash lands on a prison no, planet. Okay. You're the one guy who didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in, uh, the other criticism I remember hearing about this game was the fact that apparently it's got like some mechanic where you can evade an enemy attack. And some people were saying that if you happen to just master it and you know, just know the timing just right you're basically untouchable okay well we're gonna all find out fairly soon um in a couple of days because uh, you know it's gonna be dropping it's the it's the big title on ps plus so we all get to see i um, think no extra uh, no extra cost to us it's coming into my library for sure (laughs) oh yeah definitely definitely and uh yeah i'm interested like i said i was waiting for this to go on sale to give it a try but now i don't have to it's gonna be on ps plus great after i don't think last month's uh titles were all that great if i i can't remember what they were off the top of my head i don't think i even, i i downloaded them or i added them to the library but i don't think i even had an urge to even try to play them you know so which is usual i, I actually it's think not it, unusual it was pretty <laughs> it, it was pretty pretty blah it was saints row generation zero and black dessert yeah yeah i was like okay Sure. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing that the Saints Row was just like it uh, well, apparently was so bad on release that you know it's already in the PS Plus. So. They had they had to give it away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had to give it away. Hey, I was actually talking with um, J Rod earlier today about how there was a Resident Evil only Resident Evil Wii only game and. I was like, I must have missed that because I had no idea. But it actually reminded me that there was a Nintendo Wii game that was a Dead Space. It was called Dead Space Extraction. That it, it came out originally on the Nintendo Wii, but it, you know, obviously the Nintendo Wii was 
more of a family game and Dead Space is kind of like not the audience that they had. Eventually, they made this game be like be given away. When I bought my copy of Dead Space 2, I actually got a copy of that one. And I was thinking, well, I guess instead of, you know, losing money off of this, they're making some money by by do, by giving this enti- yeah. mi- motivating people to buy other games so they, they could get this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of other games, anything in October that is catching your eye? In the in the October uh, release schedule, we're looking at. Uh, we'll just go down the list real quick. We have uh, War Groove Two. Never heard of it on October fifth. Detective Pikachu on the sixth. NHL twenty four. Forza Motorsport. Roblox on PlayStation. Um, wait, wait. Why aren't we talking about Assassin's Creed Creed Mirage? I mean, Valhalla was a, such a great yeah. game. Assassin's Creed Mirage, yeah, it's like uh, I'm I'm not sure what's making this like a unique other than uh, maybe going back to the roots of Assassin's Creed. Wait, they've already gone back to the roots of Assassin's Creed and Odyssey. Did they? I mean, I Did thought the they... game, I thought Assassin's Creed just became more like an open world RPG ish, like the stealthing and the assassinations and stuff took a backseat to all the other stuff. I mean, there's, there's, I'm just not hearing a lot of this game. It, yeah, well, something uh, it releases on the fifth, like three days from now. Yeah. I'm actually, I've always been like, I like Assassin's Creed because I like trying to complete all uh, the, like, the little side stories and all the little collectibles and stuff. Typical Ubisoft game, right? Right. Yes. U- Ubisoft game. Let's, let's stack this sucker up with about four different collectibles. That are about that you need to like. There's a hundred items in each. That's their filler. Like their filler is collectibles, side right? quests. So, yeah. So, and I and when it comes to Assassin's Creed, I actually like that. But Valhalla was just so big, such a big game. Mm-hmm. Like after after almost dropping 200 hours, you know, just getting through the main story and a lot of, a lot of the main side quests and there then they get up on top of like a a mountain and look across and you could change like your vision where you can see all the collectibles a highlight that they they show is like pinnacles of light that go up into the air and all you see is just this wall of lights that are going up and like oh that that's going to take forever <laughs> But it's it's weird that Assassin's Creed isn't getting a lot more press, right? Usually the press blitz starts like maybe two to three weeks before a game releases. I haven't seen much for this. There's a, I guess the other one that's out there is what, Spider-Man 2? Uh, Just Dance is coming out, which those were fun games. The Metal Gear Solid Remastered Collection I haven't heard much about Alan Wake 2, even though the fan base cried for this game to be developed and published for like years and years and years. And now here it is and on the 27th and nobody's talking about it. You know why that is, right? Because gamers are fickle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly. You know, it's like kids, you know, that you give them what they want and they immediately they're already asking for the next thing. Like, oh, can I have that? <laughs> I haven't even finished playing with, with what you just gave me. Yeah. I mean, no, no way. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what's coming out next month. Assassin's Creed Mirage and Spider-Man. Those are the two games I'm interested. I mean, I would probably be playing in the in the next month. I agree. I'm probably just gonna be playing Spider-Man. Just because that's where I'm at. I need to, you know, be mindful of really where I'm gonna be dedicating my time of. In, and that's gonna be it. It's Spider Man. I, I just hope, like, once Spider Man drops, that we start. You know, once it drops, you play through it, whatever. I really hope that my uh, Sony has. You know, they got Wolverine lined up. <laughs> there, there was a, there was a developer who posted something on his Twitter account uh, like two months ago, and the guy said something along the lines of. I finally finished working on Spider-Man 2. Now I'm going full full time to Wolverine. Right. So 
and Insomniac is obviously in charge of that. So they have two teams, um, two separate development teams, unless they're going to put both teams on the one project, which I don't think that would happen. Um, well, they're they they're gonna they kind of have to leave some of their their staff to to develop some DLC for Spider Man too, right? Well, here's the thing with because it's it's Spider Man kind of a Marvel universe thing. I'm I'm thinking unless they're going with, and I'm not sure what they use to develop Spider Man two with. Like, uh, is it uh, Unreal Engine? Yeah, Unreal Engine Five or anything like that. I don't think that it was. Um, but what would would Wolverine be using that new tech, right? Uh, if not, then if they're using the same stuff uh, engine, they could really use a lot of, depending on the environments, a lot of the same stuff could carry over from Spider Man over to Wolverine. It's kind of you know the same kind of look, maybe just make it darker right now. it's like, I saw, I saw like uh, an article title. I didn't get, I didn't read it, but I can just presume what it was talking about. It was talking about uh, when graphics aren't important, you know what I'm saying? Like anymore. It, when, when graphics aren't important, you get games like sea of stars, which are great games. Right. When you focus away from, Having the highest fidelity, having the highest, the best looking real graphics and stuff like that, and you just focus on making a good game with great gameplay. Like nobody really cares about the graphics. So, if you you can make Wolverine using the same assets as Spider Man, and as long as the story is tight and and the gameplay is good and whatever, nobody's gonna care. I think it's well established, Tony, that an awesome looking game doesn't mean that it's a good game. There's been Callisto Protocol. Game, Callisto right? Protocol was supposed to look, you know, oh, this is next gen game. It's how how they're supposed to look. It bombs. Does it I gotta play it just to really be able to say, did it bomb because it's a bad game or did just the fan base didn't react to it for something else? Before I I say that about that particular one. Yeah. Well, like, we'll know in a couple of days. We we certainly will. <laughs> <laughs> this is ironic, but I was telling you that we, we were just talking about this, but uh, Striking Distance Studios laid off several of their developers because of the poor reception to the Callisto Protocol. Mm-hmm. And right before we started recording, I went to sds.com. SDS is short for Strike and Distance Studios. And on their landing page, there's like, if you just scroll down, not too much, man. Competitive perks and benefits apply today. Join a world-class team of developers. I'm like, not right now. <laughs> That's well, like I said, they laid <laughs> off the guy whose job was to update the the the, the, the splash page on the website. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we don't have that guy anymore. Yeah, I hate it because if if this would have been, you know, a critical success, I'm curious what studios like this could have kept on developing. Even when the games are successful, it seems like there's layoffs, right? Because they don't did, always did, need Did all you those realize people. that Square Enix has lost 2 billion with a B in valuation since Final Fantasy 16 dropped? Because of the lack of sales, mm-hmm. and 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 mind you, I think their sales numbers weren't weren't all that bad, but it's just like there's just such a huge number of units that they have to sell to make back profits because right. of all the the ginormous budget that goes into developing these games. I mean, these Final Fantasies had like multiple multiple years of development. The question is, it's like. Uh... Would have made a difference if they were available on Xbox, right? I don't think it would because Xbox is not necessarily known for producing high sales volume for games. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. But um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's just so many games out there, dude. And it's just I think that's just what it boils down to. It's just like people 
their gaming resources are limited, especially with today's economy. Uh, you don't, people don't have a lot of extra spending money and you have to decide where am I going to spend my money? And I, I, I could, could I make a, a counter argument to that? Yeah. I think there is some of that, but I also think that there's some of the opposite too. Somebody who's bought a subscription to game pass, right? Mm-hmm. He has access to so many games on day one, even. So I think that there is some of the what you said, but I think that there's also some some people that now have too much of a backlog. Yeah, I mean, is it worth? Is it worth it for studios to spend years developing a game? Is it worth it? Are we at that point now where it's like, look? We just got to get a game that we could make in like a year or two without having to put $200 million in development costs into. So, so Sea of Stars was started, developed in 2019 by indie developers. Again, mm-hmm. a fraction, a fraction of a fraction of what a studio team has. Crowdfunded too, by the way. But even still, that was four years development. Well, I mean, how many how many developers were on that team? Not Two, that many, three? from what I can tell. <laughs> I'd say I'd say sixteen. Yeah, I mean, I think Kenna Kenna Bridge of Spirits, which is an awesome game, looks beautiful, awesome gameplay is awesome. I think it's stu- that's a studio of like thirty people. I think maybe. Yeah, didn't you say that Sony? Like you didn't you call it and you're like Sony should scoop these guys up. Oh yeah. I remember you saying that. Yeah, I was like the game blew me away. I mean it wasn't like realistic graphics, it was just beautiful artwork. I mean just the environments were just beautiful. The boss battles were so uh well done and, and just you it, know, it, it, really, it was a game that was, was memorable for you. It's yeah, it's very memorable. There you go. May, uh, maybe we're, we're reaching a point where we're going to see less and less, you know, games that are just just behemoth style games. You know, mm-hmm. like the uh, Valhalla, which is a hundred hours. Yes, you know, a um, hundred plus hours. A hundred hours is the low end. All right, and you then you see Assassin's Creed Mirage, which is like twenty five hours. If you can make a game. In less time, that's not as big. Doesn't require five thousand developers like some of these companies have on hand to help develop a game. And you can you you can do it with a team of a couple hundred or less. You're not putting as you're not risking as much money. You could still charge sixty dollars for the game, right? I don't know what Mirage costs. Well, how much is Mirage is going to cost? Let's see. If uh, I if if I were a betting man, I'd say sixty nine ninety nine. Um, Standard edition. What's a good? Let's look, let's go to Best Buy, right? You're doubting me, dude. You're doubting me. I'm not doubting you. Did you already look it up? No. Here we go. Let's see what the the pre order is on this. What? I was 59, so wrong. Fifty nine ninety nine. Fifty nine ninety nine. That's a full price game. Yeah, it's not even forty nine ninety nine. It's fifty nine. Actually, okay. The deluxe edition is fifty nine ninety nine. The standard edition is forty nine ninety nine. Okay, well, okay. It's still, that's a good return. That's actually a good return, and plus they're they're getting around any other game that's coming out because Spider Man is full sixty nine ninety nine. Modern Warfare three is advertised for sixty nine ninety nine. That's kind of like the going rate right now. I'm actually surprised that Xbox hasn't made a move on this. Yes, uh, they have. Is it day one on Game Pass? Oh, no. No, what I'm saying is I'm surprised that they haven't made a let's go ahead and drop a couple hundred million to get it on our our service on day one for our membership right before Spider-Man 2 drops. Right? So, yeah, missed opportunity on their part. If they're, because <laughs> that that would be like you talk about, I think that would cause quite the uproar. But but yeah, I mean, I just don't think uh, the studios are, especially these independent studios that are yeah. making these big AAA titles. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, look like uh, with the Callisto Protocol, you know, all the layoffs they're having to do because they didn't meet sales. Uh, Final Fantasy didn't make uh, sales, you know. So right, it's like right. now they're the possibility of them getting bought out by another company is probably higher, right? Pretty real. The valuation is down. Yes. Speaking of being bought out. <laughs> Speaking of, this is kind of like the big one. Right. So a couple of weeks ago, there were some leaked emails, right, from the uh, the co- the case against the FTC case against uh, Microsoft for trying to acquire Activision, which you know they're on a verge of closing. But side note, FTC has appealed, and uh, so that has not closed yet because they still got to fight it out. But anyway, some of the emails from Phil Spencer leaked, and uh, one of them was. Uh, his number one acquisition target pre-acquisition uh, of Bethesda and Zenimax uh, was Nintendo. That is his number one target. That was his number one target. I think that they, that was, maybe that was a real thing. I don't think never, never would have it had happened. I think it was a Hail Mary. Yes, it was a Hail Mary because back in the 2020 20, um, time period before the Xbox Series X came out, this is kind of where he was writing these emails about how he would like to acquire Nintendo. I mean, Xbox was, they had horrible, their last generation just went horrible for them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was such a step in the wrong direction coming off the heels of the Xbox 360. Uh, and no, there's another no. email also talking about how um, if their Game Pass subscriptions weren't growing significantly by a certain date, I think 2027, 20, yeah, that uh, Microsoft might actually think about getting out of the gaming business altogether. This is obviously all pre their acquisitions of uh, Bethesda, acquisitions of uh, the other Zenimax studios and the, uh, uh, the current attempt at acquiring Activision and all the studios to go with that. Uh, yeah. The, so the Nintendo thing, I think that was a hell. I mean, that's a hail Mary. Like, absolutely. I, absolutely. Now at the same time though, mid two thousands. No, no, no. When is it that the Nintendo Wii U came out? My daughter's probably about 12 or 13. So I'm guessing about 24. 13, 2014, I, maybe? I'd argue that if Nintendo didn't have the handheld business and the firm grip that it had on the market with the Nintendo 3DS and 2DS and 3DS XL, whatever, and all those, they would have maybe had considered a, buy, a buyout. But when Nintendo was in its prime with Nintendo 64, GameCube was, wasn't, let's say, the numbers weren't, as much I would think compared to the 64 and the, the, the first Wii and now the, the, their newest console, dude, yeah. they, they had a rough patch. <laughs> I don't know how it would have worked. It's not, Nintendo is not an American company. So no. it's a Japanese company. So I don't think you could just buy it out, you know, just go in and aggressively take it over. You would have to go into some sort of, you know, convince them that it was in their now, best interest in, in a way the- though i don't think again I, i'm we're both on the same page where we don't think it would have ever happened but think about it though it would have made sense because in japan the xbox 360 they 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 literally had to give units away because they couldn't sell them and at many years ago when the 360 was in its prime they started publishing a lot of xbox 360 games that were not intended for audiences in the U.S. There were like uh, anime-dedicated games. Like there was one that was called Blue Dragon, which was based on a manga. So they did several things to appeal this audience, but they never could break through. So it would have made sense for, for Microsoft to be like, hey, we do this. We have access to all that that customer base. Right, but- yeah. Again, it didn't happen. <laughs> it, no, and wouldn't have, but still. it. I guess I can see the thought process behind it. But the thought process behind it is, one, they had they, they had to do something to save Microsoft. They had to do something drastic. 
obviously it didn't happen. And obviously then they went on uh, a buying spree with all the other studios. Anything and everything that developed games they were out they were gunning for. Yeah. Because they just had to they had to do something. So and they have. They have done a lot. Um they put themselves back in in in, in the uh, in the play. Let's use that word play. So on so talking about corporations, did you see that uh the PlayStation head Jim Ryan is retiring? Who? The president of PlayStation. Who? Isn't it Jim Ryan? It is. I'm just messing with it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that he's not not a celebrity like Phil Spencer was. Like but why Reggie's is Phil, Phil Spencer a celebrity? Because he's what out there. What has he done he's, to be a celebrity? He's, he's a CEO. out there. He's talking with people. He's giving out interviews. He's admitting when they make mistakes. Uh you know, well, the Nintendo guy who retired, Reggie feels a me or whatever, however you pronounce his name, that dude also was out there pr- giving interviews and just saying things that you would not think this guy would say about the competition. That the Sony guy, who? Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, <laughs> like, obviously, he's the, he's he's led PlayStation to high profitability. Props to him there. But under yes. him, they have become just a company. You know what I'm saying? Just a company. Like they have no personality. I agree. I'll give um, uh, Xbox props. They have personality. Mm-hmm. They do. Right? You can get behind their personality. You I can't who- get behind Sony's because the guy's boring. They need and, to bring uh, back Kevin Butler for Sony. Right, yeah, he's totally not fan. F- I mean, he's not fan. I'm say fan. He's not gamer friendly. Yeah, no, he's, he's not. Right, so whoever he's a business guy. He's a he's business just, guy. He's right. a suit. He's just a business. He's a suit. Please, and, and that's where I think where where Phil Spencer. I mean, he's open about the things that he's gaming. He he says that the games that he likes and the games that he doesn't like, and some of them might not be Microsoft's. Right, yeah. So, PlayStation, please, Sony. Whoever your next president is, please have some personality. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, or hire two, right? One that does the business side, one that does they all had the, some the gay PR guys. side. They had some great guys back in the PlayStation 4 era that were out there. I can't, uh, Sean, uh, Sean Murray, I think his name was. Was it Sean Murray or someone else? I can't remember. Shuhei Yoshida. Oshida, what is his name? I can't, so they're great guys, but I don't remember their name. <laughs> <laughs> but they had guys that were out there talking, right? Was it uh, Kenichiro Yoshida? Yeah, maybe. But I mean, there was an English guy. He left Sony to become like start his own thing. Well, he was real popular. Um, if you remember, uh, he he did the intro for uh, God of War twenty eighteen. Yeah, that they yeah, revealed yeah, yeah, yes, yes. in like 2014 uh, for that game. So, yeah, he was up on stage. I just, I just want, I just want Sony not to, to quit being these, just doing everything behind closed doors and not, you know, being Sony, engaged Sony with their needs community. to get, yeah, Sony needs to get back in the community. This whole, hey, we're not doing all these things with other people. We're doing a, we, we're going to break away from everybody. Again, I, I've argued in the past that they don't need those events anymore because they have direct access to the fan base. They can just release a YouTube video. But still, they have no personality when it comes to all these things. A real problem with that approach is when your op, uh, opposition competitor is out there engaging with their community, right? I will admit they do that Xbox, Microsoft does that pretty well. Right. When they're out there engaging and you're not, that sends a message. It sends a powerful message. And the only thing you, you, you're silent all the time. Nothing for months and months and months. I agree. You, you start to turn off your own, your own base, you know? They like to say they let the games do the talking. Well, okay, well, where are the games? Right? 
Agreed. You can't say let the games do the talking and then you're not giving us any games. You know, we're going to have to get Spider-Man. I'll give them that. But that's the one game that they've put out this whole year. Yeah, but by the end of the year, probably people will have forgotten about it. And people yeah. will have moved on God to of War. Mo- Modern Warfare 3. God of War. Look at God of War. God of War 2, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, uh, for two or three years. Everybody talked. Uh, the only thing people could talk about was just wait till God of War 2 dropped. It dropped. It showed up the Game Awards. Since and the Game Awards. disappeared. Nothing. Right. What have you done for me lately? That's hey. That's that's what the that's uh, that's the modern gaming now. I mean, you got right. about two weeks worth of uh, a ad- uh, advertiser you're going to get. <laughs> Word of mouth. There's just so many companies that are dropping great games. You just you know if it back a few years ago when it was Sony dropping them nonstop, nobody else was even getting anywhere close. But now you're getting games that are just great from different studios. And and not just big studios, even the smaller studios are pumping out good stuff too. Yeah. Which which, you know, that's actually such a great again, it's it's to the benefit of the gamers. Right. So I mean, Sony used to say, Well, you could you're you're gonna get your best games from us. Well, is that true anymore? I don't mm. think that's true anymore. Like you've got independent studios out there putting out games that are just as good. Part of me wants to say, yes, it is true. They're still getting the, they're, but that's just, if I pause, because if you, I think about it, Xbox is bringing it or trying to bring it. Nintendo definitely is doing what they can to capture a good chunk of the audience too. Well, so I got for this week. Well, I have one last question. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Well, where was Vance today? Take a nap, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> no, we love you, Vance. <laughs> he was busy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining me. Yeah. And we get, uh, we get to do this again. Hopefully next time we've played the Callisto Protocol song yeah. to understand yep. what's happening. And I have started playing Starfield a little bit. Tiny, have you started tiny, playing Dead Space? Tiny, tiny bit. And it's I have a, to go back. It's October. You need to play something that's scary, jump scares. That's true. That's true. I mean, Dead Space, Callisto Protocol, those are all scary. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. So, right. Yeah, I'm definitely uh, going to get into that. I'm really feeling the Halloween mood this year. Right. I'm like, I want to go out and do stuff that are Halloween, like style focused things. Maybe not like going to a haunted house or anything like that, but like um, there was a, what was it? Uh, A play down at the Hermitage in downtown Nashville Uh where uh, it's the the Headless Horseman, but it's not what it's called. Sleepy Hollow. The Legend of Sleepy Hollow. And it's performed by one guy, the the school teacher. He performed. uh, A one-man play? Yeah. At the Hermitage, and I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to go uh, check that out. And but the nights that he's doing it are all nights that somebody in this family has something going on that I have to go support. So, but there's so many other things. A lot of the local playhouses and stuff have Halloween focused uh, plays and stuff. So I want to go check those out. There's like a concert at the Parthenon that's all candle. It would be like thousands of candles. And it's like an orchestra that's going to play all Halloween themed music, you know. So I want to go, you know. I want to do lots of Halloween focused stuff this year. I don't know. I'm too scared to do those stuff. No, don't be like Vance. I, well, I, well, I, can, <laughs> I can watch a scary movie, unlike yeah. Vance. Do you ever watch The Conjuring? Yes. I mean, you should have gotten it by the the clapping reference. Yeah. So you know the scene, the, the scariest part of that movie is when the thing is up on top of the dresser watching the girls? Yes. Right? Uh, Dude, so, I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually getting like shivers just by right? remembering. So that, you know, that's yeah. like the scariest. Man, that, that, is out, that movie is one of the scariest you can watch, right? So the thing is up on the, and the girls like can see it up there. So that movie is scary, right? 
Dude, the documentary for that movie is scarier than the movie. No way. No, no, yes. no. I'm not watching. I'm Dude, not watching that. Do- no. A documentary was scarier. I watched a documentary, uh, doc- the documentary on the true story, on the story that that movie's based on. Yeah, because all the all those movies are based on cases that this couple yes. would investigate. Right. Because it's because it's a, a real couple. I mean, obviously the movie's probably been exaggerated some, but these are real cases that they said that they did some investigations on. Right. No. Yeah. Yeah. Right, they're they're loosely based on events that these people apparently investigated. Well, no, the the documentary with the family this was involved in of that movie's based on. Man, that freaked me out. I was watching the documentary in the daytime. No, no, and I'm like, no. man, I'm scared more now than from watching nope. a movie in the middle of the night. Not watching it. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I mean I like I'm not I don't like being scared, but I like the I, I like the theme of scare of Halloween theme. I, I, I like that. Not me. I mean I, I hold up. I, I do enjoy a good movie, but there's things that actually make me like if there's a creak in the house in the evening, I'm, I'll be like, what was that? Right, <laughs> right. We need so, to start no. a thread on the Discord channel. This since we're in October, like scariest, scariest movies, recommendations, scariest scenes. Event Horizon. Ooh, yes. That's a good Classic. One. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. And there, there was apparently like a director's cut that never saw the light of day, but it was like even more. I watched that movie intense. in the theater. And oh, uh, you did? Yes. Oh man, wow. I rented it and 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 I, I had watched to, it in the theater. I turned so many people into it, and they when were like, the, "This movie when the was guy great." Was in the airlock with the fire. Yeah. Oh gosh. Event Horizon. Yes. See it. <laughs> See it. It's a good one. Yeah. Now that's a good space story where they right? like they they jumped into like hell dimension and came Dude. back. It, 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 <laughs> that kind of came out of nowhere that you're the movie starts all sci-fi yeah and then all, all of a sudden you're like how did i go from sci-fi to this yeah it's kind of <laughs> like man this is like a a, a tangent or like a, a sub chapter of doom <laughs> right <laughs> okay so yes much much like that movie this conversation just went in a different com- di- direction <laughs> right all right. All right. I'll catch you later. All right. Always All right, a pleasure. Folks, thanks for joining us on Good Game Radio. And uh, we'll catch you again in the next episode. Thanks. Bye. Bye.